You're listening to KTDTLP Tucson, Downtown Radio 99.1 FM. You are listening to The Depression Session at 99.1 FM, Downtown Radio. Each week, we'll have a new guest tell the story of their depression. I'm your host, Laura Milkins, and thank you for joining us on The Depression Session. Just a note for my listeners, I want to make sure you understand that this is a show about depression, and some of the content can be triggering, so please take care of yourself if something on the show brings up difficult feelings, and seek professional help if you need it. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to the Depression Session on Downtown Radio. Today we have with us in the studio Don Keller. Don is an advocate for women with depression and has a blog called blueskiesbydawn.wordpress.com. We'll be right back with Don, but first let's talk about food. I am feeling very fat. I'm not fat, but I'm feeling that way this week, you know, just feeling a little bloated it's that time of the month. And I've been thinking about how much weight I gained when I first went into depression. I gained over the course of a few years, maybe 30 pounds, which is a lot. I'm a tall person. I carry it well. I don't care. I still think I look beautiful. But I was thinking about I, lately... I've been on an eating kick. I can't, I can't seem to put enough food in my mouth. And I know depression can either make people stop eating in some cases where they just can't eat. And in many cases, it's common to look for comfort food and to eat and eat. (laughs) And I don't even feel terribly depressed, but maybe that's because I'm eating everything in sight. So I'm in this funny place and I thought I'd look up some information on depression and food. I found on WebMD, is depression wrecking your weight? Eating yourself blue. Some foods, especially foods with high sugar and or fat content, make you feel better, if only briefly, says psychiatrist James Gordon, MD, author of Unstuck, Your Guide to Seven Stage Journey Out of Depression. That good feeling makes you want to eat more, which in turn makes you feel bad about yourself, Gordon says. That leads to deeper depression and more eating and greater amounts of weight gain. It's a vicious cycle. Getting out of that cycle can be a real challenge. When you're depressed, it's harder to get out of bed, much less pay attention to what you're eating, says Edward Abramson, PhD, an emeritus professor of psychology at California State University at Chico, and the author of Emotional Eating, What You Need to Know Before Starting Another Diet. For doctors, it's less important to know which came first, the patient's depression or the weight problems. The question is, which one should get the most initial attention? If someone comes to me who is severely depressed and overweight, the depression is going to be the primary focus, says Abramson. However, he continues, an eating disorder that causes a patient to binge might need to be addressed first. If their eating is out of control, that becomes the primary focus. So while I've been eating myself into a, a hole this month, I I really feel, I feel that my depression is okay and my anxiety is okay. And I actually have been giving my permission, myself permission to just eat if I want to. And I think mental health wise, I'm doing really well. Weight wise, I've decided that I should just commit to going to the gym every day and stop eating sugary things and starchy things because I know that those are toxic. Sugar is one of the most toxic things that you can continuously put into your body. And I just listened to a radio show about the other day that 
you know, the industry of sugar would say, no, it's just people overeating in general. But there's been a lot of study to show that spikes in sugar and then having it drop leads to all sorts of medical issues, including things like arthritis, inflammation. It leads to problems with your digestion and problems with your weight and problems with diabetes and on and on. So rather than trying to cut back on eating, which I feel like that's wrongheaded somehow, it just get rid of some of the things that are sort of toxic and probably making me eat more and go to the gym and see how that works out. Because in general, I found that if I worry about my weight it's less mentally healthy than if I just do a few things that I know up my mood and that are good for me. So on that note, if any of you are feeling fat this week, you're in good company and uh, I, I wish you all well. Much love. Today we have with us in the studio Dawn Keller. Dawn is an advocate for women with depression and has a blog called blueskiesbydawn.wordpress.com. Hello, Dawn. Welcome to the depression session. Hi, Laura. Thank you so much for having me on. Thanks for being on the show. I really appreciate it. What do you want to share with our audience? What's new with you? So interesting that your topic today was on food, because I'm going to get to at one point where I decided to take an active role in my depression instead of being like the victim. I decided that I needed to find ways to change it just like I would if I had diabetes. I would do specific things to go out, I wouldn't just accept it and say, well, was me. So one of the things that I found was food and superfoods and changing my diet to fuel my brain properly. And it really turned around my life. So, and it had nothing to do with weight or anything like that. I was just about the food and nutrition. So it's, you know, kind of a, a great segue that you're talking about food and that's, I use that to make so many changes in my life. Wow, that's amazing. Sometimes this show has a funny way of, I pick a topic and it really is a personal topic. And often my guests come to me, sometimes I seek them out. And somehow those two things merge together to be like the right topic. <laughs> <laughs> that's just amazing. You know, that's, I believe in that, the energy of the universe. So I think it's meant to be. <laughs> Synchronicity. <laughs> yeah. And, and what, what were some of the things that you talk about on your blog? Is that some of the stuff that people would find there? I've not shared a lot about that yet on the blog. I've talked more in general about, you know, my journey. It's talking about, because I've always, the reason why I went into the being an advocate for women is because I hid my depression. I didn't want anyone to know I had it because I saw it as a sign of, weakness or I didn't want them to to judge me I guess and I've always been my whole life worried about being judged what others thought but I I had a light bulb moment one day and I decided I wasn't going to hide it anymore and then as I started talking to other people not sharing my depression but just opening up and talking with them they would share with me that they had depression and they were it's almost like all these people with depression all around us, but we're all hiding in plain sight. Exactly. So when, I, when I realized that how many people that you wouldn't expect have it, I guess, because people didn't expect me to have it. <laughs> that, that opened up and I thought, I have to help people stop hiding this so that they can express it and heal because you can't heal from something that you don't even acknowledge to mm -hmm. other people. Yes. Yes. And, I, and I'm not saying that it's all 
that it heals or you get over it. It's a cured thing. That's not what I'm saying. But you got to stop hiding it and just say, this is part of who I am. And at least it gives them steps to start feeling better about themselves. Yeah. And shame is a, I think it's a big part of depression feeling for me, it's always like feeling stupid. How, why can't I just fix this? That's, I don't feel that way anymore after doing this show for a couple of years, but I, (laughs) but I always had this feeling of like, why can't I just get past this? I'm a smart woman. I have degrees. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And that's what you think that other people are going to think. And some do, but what I've found is a lot less people do judge when I'm open about it, more people open their arms up and then are happy that you shared because then that gives them an opportunity to share their vulnerabilities too. Because I've realized that pretty much everybody has some sort of vulnerability. Once you open up to them, you know, it just creates a whole connection, which even helps people with depression. If we can connect together, we at least feel a little bit better. And I find that Maybe not everyone's had a major depressive episode, right? But everybody has had the blues at some point or some sort of down period in their life. And everyone knows someone with depression. And finding ways to understand, be compassionate and help them. I think that is huge. So even if you run across somebody who's never had a depressed moment in their life, they will know someone who did. And in some cases, someone who killed themselves or somebody who struggled and was in and out of the hospital or somebody who was majorly depressed and they couldn't relate to it. And so I feel that the more people talk and the more that they share and the more that they're open about it, it helps everybody, not just people with depression, but people who love people with depression. Definitely. And, you know, my whole goal is just to remove the stigma of it. People have no problem telling you that they have physical illnesses. Why can't we that have a illness that is enclosed in our brain, why why do we have to hide that? Why can't we share that too? So that's just so important for me. So that's a perfect moment to segue into. Dawn, tell us the story of your depression. Okay, I'm going to start from, I've had depression for 12 years. And I started saying that I have depression because I used to say I suffered from it. And then I switched it to struggle. And now I say I have depression because I didn't want it to own me anymore. I didn't want to suffer from something. What happened was I was a stay-at-home mom and had five beautiful children. And I loved that job. I was self-acclaimed really good at it. (laughs) And, you know, so I think what it was is, you know, I could have had depression prior to that. And I don't know because I kept so busy taking care of my family, and that brought me so much joy. What happened was my mother got cancer, and about three weeks later, she passed away. And I was there, I was holding her hand in the middle of the night when she passed away, and it clicked something in me. And all of a sudden, I had all of these feelings of guilt that I didn't spend enough time with her, I wanted to do things with her, I didn't call her enough on Mother's Day, and and I know it was all because I was so busy with my own family, but it brought on a sadness. And I think what I did was I stuffed my grief so that I could keep operating. And several months went by and all of a sudden I realized I had this overall sadness that I couldn't get rid of. 
everything I used to love to do, like quilting and scrapbooking and playing golf with my girlfriends, I had zero desire to do that anymore. After a few months, it would go on, and I realized it wasn't something I could just snap out of. So I went to my family doctor and shared this with her, and we decided to go the route, and she put me on some antidepressants. And I don't remember what they were at the time, but they worked. It like took that cloud away and I was able to get things done. I never went back to those things that brought me joy. That part of my life stayed down because I, the depression was still there, but I was able to go through my life events. Unfortunately, I had several more losses. My sister suddenly passed away, my younger sister, and she was my best friend and confident. She was the one that I talked to. So all of a sudden I lost that. Three months later, my father passed away. And then several months later, my only remaining sister passed away. Fortunately, I did have the gift that I was there with each of them as they passed. It didn't do anything to help my depressive state because all of a sudden I felt alone, even though at the time I was married, um, I had my five children. I felt alone and abandoned and didn't know where to turn. So change of medication, still hid. The only person that knew I was taking medication at the time was then my husband. And I remember when I came home and told him I was taking them, he's like, oh, great. Now my wife is taking crazy pills. You know, maybe that was my first experience with being judged. So if he said that, this person that I was supposed to trust, which we ended up getting divorced. So obviously he wasn't someone that I could trust. But when I got that judgment, I thought I can't share this with anybody. So I went on, I eventually got divorced because I realized, you know, when you're going, they always say don't make big decisions when you're grieving. But for me, making that big decision, that was the time to do it. I mean, all of these changes were going on in my life. And I thought, this is what I need to do. I need to get divorced. This is not the person for me. And I thought that that would help. Now, it did help. It was the right decision for me. But then that's also a huge life change after 23 years. So I was still on the medication. I was still living my depression. And the longer the time went by, I realized that depression was defining me. That's all I was, was I have depression. And in the meantime, thankfully, the universe and or God brought to me my new partner. I met him four and a half years ago. And I started sharing little bits about my depression and I did tell him right away that I was on the medication because you know it's it's in your purse or it's in your home I'm not going to hide it and he was very welcoming about it he didn't judge it didn't say anything about it so as he was not judging me I'm still going through my depression and it made him sad I understand now how if your partner's with somebody who's depressed you don't know how to handle it because you can't pull them out of it would be a beautiful sunny day my thing is blue skies and sunshine bring me so much joy but there are days when even the blue skies and sunshine couldn't pull me out of a dark cloud state I just I was just existing so I went to um, my doctor and said I'm just still feeling this downness even though you know he was encouraging and she requested adding another medication I did I did it for about two weeks. I felt a little bit better the first week. And then all of a sudden I felt like I was sort of living in a, like a cocoon. 
Like I wasn't like my feelings had shut down, like even like the joy feelings that I might have occasionally. And I felt like I was sort of a zombie just going through life. And that is when the light bulb went off for me because my partner now, who's my fiance is very physically fit exercises every day, takes this superfood drink. And the reason why he does this is because, you know, both of us are in our early fifties and he realized that there's certain cardiovascular things where it, your blood flow starts, starts to slow down and your arteries and veins get plaque in them. And once you lose that blood flow and the oxygen, oxygen throughout your body, <laughs> that everything else slows down. And that's when it hit me. If I'm not getting the proper blood flow in my brain, it's not going to be performing as good as it should. So it was that point when I thought, you know what, I'm not going to accept depression as this lifelong prison that I have to live in. I am going to step up and stop letting life happen to me and I'm going to take control. The first thing I took control over was finding ways to change my diet. Everything that I put into me, I wanted to make sure was going to do something for my body, for the blood flow, for my brain. And the more research I did, I realized how many foods really do positively impact the brain. So I've spent a lot of time doing that. I've also done more of a routine because I think that having a routine when you have depression, because there were days I didn't want to get out of bed. But if I knew my routine was to get up at this time and do this and just go through the motions, even getting those things done made me feel better, even though I didn't want to. So I started a morning routine. I actually, it was from Hal Elrod's book, The Miracle Morning, where it talks about getting up early and then doing a routine. And it talks about, you know, doing silence, which I do some meditation, doing positive affirmations, which have really helped me because the more I say positive things to myself now, I start to believe them. I used to tell myself I was depressed, I was depressed, I was depressed, and I lived that. So I'm not saying that anymore. And then doing visualizations of what I want my life to be and exercising every day because exercise, again, helps all of those endorphins, and the chemicals in the brain, the happy feelings. So that is my, my vitamin. I have to do that if I want my brain to feel better. And then, and the other is, it's, he calls it scribing, but it's journaling. And I found the more that I wrote down things about how I'm feeling instead of just holding them in my mind and getting them out on paper, it sort of cleared them. So all of these bad depressive feelings that I was having, instead of keeping them in my head, being able to put them down on paper, even if I don't read them again, I might feel them again, but the more I write them down, the more I write them down, I'm able to, I guess, get that poison out of my mind and out of my body. So doing these things have changed me to where I'm almost ready to go back to the doctor and try to start weaning off the medication. I tried to do it on my own. And, you know, there's side effects when you stop a medication. You know, you get like this dizziness and then I wasn't feeling well. But mentally, I'm feeling really strong and good. Although, you know, don't get me wrong, I I believe that this is something that I'm going to have forever. I just feel like I'm controlling it now instead of it controlling me. So I created this website and I created my Facebook page so that I can get out there and share with more women who maybe aren't as far down in their journey 
as I am. You know, maybe they're me five years ago, and I just want them to have a safe place and a community that they can go. Like you have this podcast where you can go and hear other people and, you know, maybe even reach out to them. We have to create a safe environment and community to support each other. And I believe with that support, we can all feel better. We may not heal ourselves from depression, but we can live a good life that feels good and we can have happiness. Dawn, thanks so much for your story. One of the things that I really find interesting is my depression episode came out of a bunch of losses as well. And there's something really inevitable about that. At In life, at some point, you have loss. And often they, they come in a whole stream of losses. And you had major, major ones. You really... I relate to that feeling of suddenly feeling like you're an orphan. It's exactly what it was. I used that word. That's how I felt. I mean, if we're lucky, we all live long enough to lose people we love. That sounds kind of horrible. Right, but it is going to happen, I know. And I think that there, of course, you know, there's grief and grief counseling and there are all these things, but you kind of, I feel like you kind of have to slog through it. It, There isn't any. Yeah, there isn't any quick fix for it. And squishing down those feelings. I had to do that because I, I literally just had to do functional life things. And I I had to do them. You know, you have to go to work. You know, I had to sell my dad's house and things like that. Those practical things. I can't imagine people going through that experience and not having uh, some pretty serious depression. I think what's important, and I'm, I'll probably start to share this at a different time, you know, with with people is what I did was I pushed those feelings down so I could get things done. Mm -hmm. And what I learned, and I also heard this from uh, Brené Brown TED Talk, was that you can't just push down feelings of grief and sadness without pushing the other feelings down. So because I did that, I also was cutting out my ability to feel happiness and joy and, you know, all of the good feelings. And you don't realize that. So it's eventually you have to feel it. And I did, I opened up and felt it. And hopefully maybe someday I can help people and go through that process too. Uh, And I'm not sure. I, I really literally don't know what you could do in those circumstances because the grief is so overwhelming, but you have practical things you have to do. I think it's like you need to have a release valve. You need somewhere to go where you can release all those feelings for a good hour and then go get the practical things done again or something. That's a great way to put it. (laughs) I like that. It's like a teapot. It's all under pressure. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You let it out, then you can just go back on about your business. Wouldn't it be nice if life was that easy to uh, control, right? (laughs) Yeah. And then one of the other things that I thought was really interesting is, you know, you have five children and that's that's huge. Like that's that's a big part of your life. But I don't know that it's a part of your depression story. Do you think that it is or that it is? And I'm so glad that you brought that up because I thought about it and I didn't add it in there. As I was going through those losses with my family, three of my children left the nest. So all of a sudden I was like, OK, what is my I, although I still had my two teenagers at home my role was changing. 
So I started thinking, what, what is my purpose once they move on? And I, it was a huge, that was a huge loss for me too. So that all went on at the same time. And then interesting enough, when you said the children, it made me think too, um, when I was talking about hiding my depression from people, I told you that, you know, originally my husband at that time, and then I told my new partner, Gerald, and I didn't tell my children until I actually started my blog. I wrote several blog posts and I sent it to my three adult children and said, I'm not sure how to even tell you about this, but my way of sharing it is in my blog and can you please read it and then maybe we can talk. That's only been maybe eight months ago that I even shared it with my children. So that became very freeing and get they loved me. It didn't change at all. They were just so, they even were proud of me for sharing it. So that's one of the things that I want to share with people is that I was so worried about being judged. And once I opened up, like the love flowed in. So I was, it was such a disservice to myself to be hiding it for so long. And we have an interesting culture in America and maybe the Western world in general, but I know our culture very strongly that you need to protect your children from all of your ailments and all of your struggles, that you don't include them in any difficulties you have. They're supposed to live in this little plastic bubble while you go on and do whatever you can do in your life to keep that bubble intact. And there are other cultures where where they don't do that. The kids are just part of everything that's happening in your life. Of course, you don't expose them to unnecessary grief and you don't expose them to uh, topics they won't understand, but you always give them, there are cultures where the children are just part of whatever's happening in your life. They're not separate from it. And for some reason in American culture, we have this idea that children can't handle anything, but they're amazingly resilient. And I think I, I've been feeling that if you protect your children from what you're feeling, then when they have those feelings themselves, which they will someday, they won't know what to do with them. I completely agree with you. And if I may add, I know my mother suffered from depression because I can look back. She never said it, never told me. But once I had it, I could look back and see the signs. She may not have known she had it, but she probably hid it from me. And, you know, I do know it is one of those things that can be hereditary, not depression per se, but of course your brain makeup and your chemistry. And once I told my children, I thought, how important, because how do I know that they haven't had these feelings? So, you know, again, by me hiding it, it was such a disservice to not only me, but to them. Because you're right. They should, if they had those feelings, they should have the right to tell me about them. But maybe they were scared. It's so important just to have open dialogue. Well, that is a beautiful note to end this show on. Thank you so much for being on the depression session, Dawn. Thank you for having me. And I look forward to hearing all the episodes going forward because I just really love the show. And I love hearing everybody's stories. And it just, they're all like we had talked about earlier, all of their stories are different, but they still have that thread that weaves through them. And I I really believe in humanity, we all have that. 
our thread might be depression, but it can also weave through someone else's that's something different. So this connection that you create is really awesome. So thank you for that. Thank you. Thanks so much. I want to mention again that if you found some of the content of today's episode triggering, please seek professional help and call 911 if you feel like hurting yourself or others. I'm not a licensed therapist, and this show and the station are not endorsing any remedies or products. The purpose of this show is to destigmatize depression through storytelling. You can find a link to mental health services on downtownradio.org on the About KTDT page. To listen to the podcast, or if you're interested in being on the show, contact us at www.thedepressionsession.com. You've been listening to The Depression Session on Downtown Radio Tucson with music by Septa Helix. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at The Depression Session Podcast. Thank you.